this is very funny. Uh, there are things that I think of myself, I, I hope that you guys take me seriously, you know, as your pastor, you know, I care about you, I pray for you guys often, you know, some of my boys in my life group, you know, I've been with you guys for three years, I love you guys, all right, you know, girls, I, you know, eighth grade girls, you're about to leave, I watch you guys grow up in junior high, it's super emotional for me, you just see, so I hope you take me serious, but there are, though, some jobs that if you saw me doing those jobs, you would not take Justin seriously. I came up with a very short list. I'm sure the list is exhausted, but I came up with a list of five things that if you saw Justin doing these jobs, you would not be able to take me seriously. Here is number five on that list, okay? Number five, if you saw me as a hairdresser. If I, if you girls, if you walked into a hair salon, is that they call it, hair salon, and I was like, hey, I'm going to give you a perm. Let's do it. Like, you'd be like, this is not, I'm leaving. I'd rather shave my head. Because uh, I have no hair, so it doesn't make me, here's number four on the list, okay? Uh, a mime. If you were at a really lame birthday party, or maybe you had a mime at your birthday party, which makes your birthday party awesome, but the other ones would be lame, and you hired me, because the thing is, I love talking, as you guys probably know, so I'd be like, hey, like, I'm in a box, like, look it, like, I'm pulling a rope, like, this, is, and I would talk through the whole thing, which would make me a terrible mime. You would not be able to take me seriously as a mime. And I wouldn't be able to wear the makeup. My skin's too soft. Number three um, on this list, tattoo removal company. If I said, uh, I have this company, I'm starting a tattoo removal company, bring your parents in if they have something they regret. And I sit there, I'm like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get the laser beams. And they're looking at me like, you're covered in tattoos. You don't know anything about removing tattoos. You wouldn't be able to take me seriously. Here's uh, number two on this list. Very easy. So you could probably make a list yourself maybe. Uh, a worship leader, okay. Has anyone ever had the joy of hearing me sing? oceans before which is my favorite song you've heard me sing it and it is it really is the worst uh we saw a huge dip in attendance like people stopped coming for a while they out of fear that i'd keep singing and uh i would be terrible uh, and here's the very last one okay here's the last one uh as uh number one a pastor okay now listen you might think well justin that's crazy like you're my pastor i totally take you seriously but when parents meet me for the first time and you can ask your parent when you go home ask your parent when you met justin for the very first time what did you think did you think Oh, this guy's totally a pastor. Look at him with his T-shirt and his camo shoes and his tattoos. Totally. Or did you think, like, this is, this is the standing guy, right? Like, this is the, the temporary guy. Like, they're going to bring the other guy in who's wearing, like, a suit and tie or something and has a big ruler and enforces rules. Look, sometimes when people think of me, they don't think pastor. It's not the first thing they think of. Look, when people think of you, what's the first thing they think of? Like, and you can make your own list of things that it's like, oh, yeah, people would never take me seriously in this, this, or this. Do people take you seriously just being you? Like, you know, the thing about seriousness is usually people will kind of have what they think it should look like to do whatever thing this is. And then if you're different than that, then they just don't take it. They have this kind of preconceived idea. Now, I know for me as a pastor, I mean, I love being, I love praying and teaching God's word. I love being with you guys. But I do also know this. I know that I wasn't always like the kind of person you'd think would be a pastor one day. You know, when I go home to my hometown in Buffalo, New York, and I see people and I'm like, they're like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm in California. I work as a pastor. They're like, you, a pastor? Ah! And they start laughing at me. Now imagine being laughed at in the face. <laughs> it really is hurtful. And, uh, and they start laughing at me. Why do they start laughing at me? Like, it's not because they know how I do as a pastor. It's because they're comparing what I'm doing to the person they knew me as when I used to live in Buffalo, which was like 10 years ago. They're comparing me against my past. Now, here's the thing I know is true. Every student in this room has been to a camp, 
has been to a life group or has been to a weekend service where God has moved in a powerful way. And if you are that student, which every student in the room is that student, unless you're here for the very first time, in that case, welcome. If you are that student who's been to the camp or to a life group and a prayer experience and a life group or serve experience or a weekend service where God is moving in a powerful way, you have left the room or the camp or the life group a little different. Now, here's the problem. When you go back to your normal life, okay, so you have the thing at camp and like God has moved at camp or in life group or in the weekend, you go back to your normal life and you go to your friends and they're like, hey, what did you do this week? Well, I was kind of at the mountain. <coughs> hey, what, what, is, what did you do this week? Why are you asking? Why are you interrogating me? Because we're sometimes afraid to talk about what God is doing in our lives. We're afraid to say, I was at this camp this week. I'll tell you what I did. I was at this camp, and oh my gosh, I went in one person. I came out another person. And like, have you guys ever been to church? You should come with me. We're afraid to do that. Why? Because they're going to look at us and say, well, no, no, no. You, what are you talking about? You go to church now. You're not the church. Per you're the other person. You're the person that gossips or, or steals or lies. You're the one who sneaks, you know, this or that. You're the, you know, I see how the way you talk to people behind their back. I see how you talk to girls or guys online. Like, you're that person. You're not the church person. So when I was 19, uh, I did not know God at all in my life. I was not a church-going guy. I was a party-going guy. So I did not go to church. I did not respect my mom. If she was here, she'd tell you I was very, very rude. I partied all the time. Uh, I did not care about school. I actually failed out of college. My very, uh, it was my second semester, failed out of college. I was 19 years old. W did not care about God or the things of God. I went on a road trip, kind of like a camp, changed my life. At, the, at this road trip, uh, I was talking to my best friend, a guy named Kevin. Uh, he was in my wedding, and he and a couple of these guys were at my wedding like a couple years ago, so they know. Uh, he was one of the guys in my wedding, and he talked to me about this guy named Jesus. changed my life. I came back from this road trip, kind of like you come back from a camp, and I came back from a completely different person. Now, here's the thing. It's tough when you're in junior high. I get that. So hopefully today will help you have the guts you need to go do the things that God's calling you to do. But when you're 19, it's a little easier to take some risks because, you know, you've made your mistakes and you can take more risks. But you can take risks in junior high too. So 19, I can take risks. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tell people about this. So I got back home, got all my friends together, and I said, hey, you guys got to hear this. I went on this road trip, and it changed my life. Oh, how did it change your life? Did you hit some crazy parties? Did you do the stuff that we've always known you to do, the person we've always known you to be? No, no, no. I met a guy named Jesus. It, it changed the way I think about people. It changed the way I think about my family. It changed the way I think about myself. And they looked at me, and they're like, you? Jesus, what, what are you talking about, Justin? Like, you're the party guy. Like, don't you have a party that we're going to go to and just have a crazy time to like three in the morning? No, 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 no. I want you guys to come to church with me. I want you to experience what I experienced. And in that moment, half my friends left. And the reason why is because they couldn't handle me not being the person they always thought I was, this party person. And this is what's so hard. You start to take that as, as a reflection of your value. You start to think, well, if people aren't going to listen to me or respect me or, or hear how I feel, if they're not going to you know, experience the things I've experienced, if, if I don't have the openness to talk about what, what is really going on in my life, what I'm really feeling and seeing and experiencing, then, then maybe I'm not as valuable as I think I am. Maybe my opinion isn't valuable. Maybe who I am actually, maybe the experience I thought I had, maybe I really didn't have that because, because I don't feel like I can share that with the people who are around me. 
know, this is what it says in the Bible. And here's the thing. We're doing this new Bible app thing. You can check it out on the screen. Uh, if you have a phone and your parents are cool with it, you can download the app. It is free. Uh, I want you to be in God's word. If you bring your Bible every week, killer. If you don't have a Bible and you want me to buy you a Bible, I'll take you over there after service. I'll buy you a brand new Bible. Like, I'm for that. And for those of you who are like, I live my life on my phone, download the app with your parents' permission Read the Bible, because then you can read the Bible anywhere you are. You just open it up and read a verse and learn some things. It'll be great. So open it up. We're going to open it up. Take a look at the book of John. And this is what's happening in the book of John, chapter 3. We all know this first verse. You probably learned this when you were a kid. Uh, let's say it together. We all know this verse, okay? So if you're looking up this verse, you can look it up for those of you who have free eyes. Let's read this together. Verse 16, okay? I'll start it. Ready? We're all in this together. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We all know this verse, okay? If you don't know it, you should memorize it. But it's to set up this verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What does the word condemn mean? It, well, to me, it means point out all your wrongs. You know, God didn't send Jesus here to point out all the wrongs of all the things you've done and the resume of all the things you've messed up and all the mistakes you've made. Like, he didn't come here to point out all of your mistakes and all your wrongs. But here's the thing. If, if Jesus didn't come here to point out all our wrongs, why does it feel sometimes that that's what everyone else is doing? I, I want you to write this down. It's on the next deal. Uh, because that's a profound, maybe very personal question. It's the next one. Just keep rolling through this, Nathan. If Jesus didn't come to point out all the wrong in the world, why do I feel like everyone points out my wrong? Why do you feel that way? Like, you might think, you know what? Like, if Jesus isn't willing to come and say all the things I do, like, why does it feel like everyone else is like, well, no, no, this is the stuff you did. You made this mistake. And, you know, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family thing. Which is a family thing. That's hard. And, like, we got to talk about that because that's not easy. Maybe it's, like, a friend group at school and they want you to be the person you don't want to be. That's difficult, too. But here's the thing that's so beautiful. If you are that person who has come to believe that you have less value because of the things people are saying about you, that for whatever reason, that your story of what God's done in your life does not matter, that you have an inability to share that with people, maybe at school or at the lunch table or on your sports team or in your neighborhood, you're the person who's like, you know what, I feel like what everyone's saying is true. I've made mistakes. Like, I can't be the person that maybe God wants me to be because I've made all these mistakes. Well, you guys are so in luck today because we are going to meet some huge screw-ups who made way bigger mistakes than the stuff you guys will ever probably do. And I want to introduce them to you right now. Here is a list of a few people who have made some pretty big screw-ups. Let's start off with a guy named Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' guys. He was one of the disciples. And after Jesus was taken and he was arrested, so think of your friend, you know, maybe one of your closest friends. You spent you know, years with this friend, maybe a guy in your life group, a gal in your life group, and you guys are really close. One of them is arrested. So imagine your life group leader is arrested, okay? So Jess is arrested. Who's in her life group? Jess is arrested. She's in jail, and they're going to, you know, they're actually going to execute her, which is pretty tough, all right? I know, pretty, pretty tough. So Peter... When he had the opportunity to say, no, 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 I know that person. That person isn't guilty. They haven't done anything wrong. Like your life group girls, maybe Olivia would say, whoa, whoa, Je I don't know that girl. I don't know who that girl is. You guys should throw the book at her. 
If you're going to execute her, just do it, whatever, you know, whatever. That's what was happening with Peter. He's like, Jesus, I don't know Jesus. Like, who's that guy? This is weird. Yeah, I don't know him. He knew who Jesus was, but he was denying him, which was a really big, he did it three times. And do you know how Jesus responded to that betrayal? Which it was a betrayal, it was tough. Do you know how Jesus responded to that? By saying that Peter was the one that they would build the church on. They said, on this rock, we will build our church. And they were talking about a guy named Peter. Because God uses people who have made mistakes to make big impacts. Let's talk about Paul. Paul was a guy who, at the beginning of his life, was named Saul. If you have your notes with you, I want you to write this down because I want you to read Acts 8 and 9 some point this week. It is so good you're going to love this. Because Saul was a guy, his whole job was finding Christians and then killing them. They, he would use, maybe cut their heads off, maybe like do some other gnarly stuff to them, and then they, it would all end, like the end of the story, regardless of how it starts, it ends with the person dying. So very gruesome. That's what he was known for. That was his reputation. Anyone know what a reputation is? Maybe you have one, maybe you don't have one, maybe it's a good one, maybe it's a negative one, maybe it's one you're trying to fix, maybe it's one you think is so broken it can't be fixed. Well, imagine if your reputation around school was you murder people, okay? That's your reputation now. They're like, oh my gosh, L, oh my gosh, L, she totally murders people. That's what L does, she murders people. They're like, oh my, oh, so this is what happened. Saul is walking down the road and meets Jesus. Okay, now this is huge, this is huge. Jesus says to him, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting like Christians? You gotta stop doing this. And I'm paraphrasing all of this, by the way. You need to read it yourself. And Saul's like, yeah, like, I should stop killing people. Like, you're totally right, Jesus. And Jesus is like, all right, so we're not going to kill people anymore, but I'm going to also make you blind for now, and you're going to go to the town down the road, and you're going to meet up with this guy, and then he's going to give you your sight back, and then you're going to go travel the world teaching about Jesus. And he's like, all right, I'm totally in. And he's blind, he's walking on the road. Jesus then goes to the guy that owns the house. The guy owns the house. It's so crazy. And says, Saul is coming to your house. He's going to hang out with you. He's going to have dinner with you. You're going to give him a sight back. And the guy that owns the house is like, what? Saul's coming here? I know about, I've heard about Saul. It's like, wait, Elle's coming to our lunch table? We've heard about Elle. She murders people. Like, that's what they're saying about Saul. Wait, Saul's coming to my house for dinner? I've heard about Saul. Saul has a reputation. He kills people like me. Like, I'm a Christian. He's going to kill me. And Jesus is like, no, no, don't worry about it. He's not going to kill you. He's not going to kill you. You want to know why he's not going to kill you? Because I have met him. Okay, listen, listen. Maybe you are that person that you have met Jesus. Maybe he hasn't been face-to-face, -face, obviously. You've met him at a camp. You've met him in a life group. You've met him in a weekend. Service. You met Jesus. Like, he's done something in your life. You just know that it's real. And, and you have that thing. It's like, it's like, oh, my gosh, like this, I'm a different person now. And I want to be taken seriously in a different way. And that was Paul. And he went on, and he changed the world. Because God uses people who make mistakes to change the world. That's who God is. That's what he does. Let's talk about David real quick. David committed adultery. Big deal. You can't commit adultery. It's like the number one thing not to do. He also murdered a guy. The woman he committed adultery with, he murdered her husband to get him out of the way. So that's two of the top ten things not to do, adultery and murder. And then he lied to cover the whole thing up. So three of the top ten things you should never do, ten commandments if you don't know, he did those things. And do you know what God said about David? He said, this is so good, he said, David is a man after God's own heart. That is how he describes David. Why? Because God uses people who've made mistakes to do incredible things. 
because God sees the value past what we see. Now, you might think, well, Justin, you know, these people, they're all mess-ups. You know, I guess the, the trick is to be perfect, right? If only I was perfect, like, things would work out. Like, maybe, is that what I'm telling? Like, if only I was perfect, if only I was perfect like Jesus, right? Man, Jesus, he's got it all. He's healing people, and, like, he's perfect. And, like, if only I was like Jesus, I could go to my hometown Right? Would it, do you think it would make it easier if you were like Jesus, if you were totally sinless, the son or daughter of God, which I believe you guys are all sons and daughters of God, not in the exact same way, but I believe you are. Would it make it easier if you were that sinless person that could just walk around and, and you go in your neighborhood and you could talk about God and, and invite people to church? Do you think it would make it easier if, you, if you, that was you? Easier? You guys think so? Man, you guys, I'm going to blow all of your minds right now. This is so good because Jesus is a guy that no one listened to in his hometown. Want, want proof? Open up your Bibles to Mar Mark chapter 6. This is what it says, Mark chapter 6. Get out your apps. You guys need to find this stuff. Highlight this. Do something. Write this down. This is important information. Here we go. Jesus left there, so he was at a place he left. Went to his hometown. All right? Hometown for you, the school you go to, your friend group at school. Uh, it's the neighborhood you live in. Your hometown, where people know you. So Buffalo is my hometown. Jesus went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. So his life group is with him. Hey, what's up, Riley? Uh, when, bro, when Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. They're amazed at Jesus' teaching. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What is this wisdom that he's been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Okay, that's Jesus. Now listen, we're about to turn everything. If you're not paying attention, if you miss this, hey, if you miss this, it's like you've missed everything. It's like you haven't even been here. Don't miss this because this is what happens next. The people who are there saying these remarkable things and he's healing. Isn't this, no, no, go back. Isn't this, go back. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Listen, they were offended by Jesus. Why? Because they looked at Jesus and, no, no, Jesus, we watched you grow up. We know who you are. You think you're better than us? Like, they were amazed at the things that were, he was doing until they realized that he was the one doing them. And because a prophet like Jesus even he, even the son of God, even the guy that heals sick people, the guy walks on water, literally, not figuratively. He really does these things. He's the guy that will die and raise himself from the dead. This is the guy we're talking about. And this is what he says in the next verse, in verse number four. He says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people to heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Here's what Jesus is, is experiencing. He's experiencing a tough moment like you guys have faced. When you are around the people you know and they don't take you seriously. And when they don't take you seriously, you feel like your value is just being poked at. Here's the truth. To God, your value doesn't change. To God... Your value does not change. Your value does not change to him. He looks at you, and you are the valuable person that he created with a purpose. 
So here's another little, let's just punch it home a little bit more. Here's the last little thing. This is what it says in Matthew, or John. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So this is what God's saying. I'm not keeping secrets from you guys. Everything I know, you know, because you're my friends, I'm not keeping secrets. This is the most important verse. You, if you have your Bibles open, you've got to underline this verse or highlight it in your phone, text this to your friends, because if they do not experience this, then they're missing out on the good, the fullness of who God is. This is what he says. You did not choose me. You students did not choose God and say yes to God. I chose you and appointed you. I put you exactly where I want you. The school you're in, the family you're in, the neighborhood you're in, the sports team you're on, like the friend group you have, the lunch table you sit at, and the people whose lockers are next to yours. I put you exactly where I wanted you. Why? So that you might go and bear fruit. You might do stuff. Like, you might, you might give people hope that have no hope. Like, you might explain to them that things are going to be okay when things just seem the darkest and, like, the most broken. Like, you are the one that's going to do something incredible. And that, so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father will be given to you. Like, this is crazy. Because your value to God doesn't change. Every single one of you was picked with a purpose. Every single one of you has value. Even though you might think, I don't have any value. Like, think, blah, blah, blah. You, so here's the thing. This makes total sense, right? So money, all right? Are you guys big money people in here? All right? Quarters, they have total value, right? So, like, if I wanted to buy a soda, I would take these quarters, and it totally makes sense. But here's the thing. Each one of us, we think that our value changes. So you think quarters, like, they have value. Like, you think, well, if you mess up the stuff, it probably it loses its value, right? That's what we think about. The, okay, we put more value on money, on pieces of metal, than we put on ourselves. All right, because this is what I'm telling you. If you take a quarter that has a value of 25 cents, and you kind of scuff it up a little bit. This is a rock, by the way. It's, you know, it's a rock. You scuff it up a little bit and pound it, all right, kind of give it, you know, some nicks and some knack. All right, that's all right. You get a hammer, because here's the thing. You know, life comes in, and, like, you have the friend who's saying whatever, and it's like, you know, it's kind of it's hurting you, and, and that's kind of mean, and so you're kind of just oh, nailing at it, all right? And this is a really good one. This is a big samurai sword I bought off eBay. This is really cool. This is a huge and frightening. Look at this thing. It's really big. So, like, so listen, you know, there's a thing, and you're kind of living life, right? No, you're living life. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. You're living life, and this is what happens, okay? Things are going good, but then you have that friend or that moment, okay? And they come in. I'm going to hopefully hit this, and they come in. Ah, whoo, I, I missed that. All right, no, this is the right one. They come in, and they just, like, pierce you, okay? They give that comment, that thing. Oh, I missed again. Ooh, I got it. Ooh, I got it again. Well, let me get it one more time. Because here's the thing, because they never hit you once. They hit you, like, three times. Ooh, oh, man, that's good. See, you can see the damage on these. I mean, they're scuffed up. They're marked up. I mean, you guys have been scuffed up. You've been marked up. Uh, hey, uh, you, come over here. God, thirsty. Can you, this, so here's the thing. This thing has value before, but like I've nicked it up. I've messed it up. I've done things to it. So, but I'm, I'm hoping that it still has its value, even though I've messed it up, even though things have happened to it. So could you go out there, use this money and get me a Coca-Cola? Yeah. All right, good. See, because here's the thing. We understand this when it comes to money. Like, we get it. But when it comes to us, we're not willing to believe 
that we still have value after things have messed up. We're not willing to believe that our value to God does not change. That even though this may happen, you know, this friend thing, this exploded, like this thing, this huge challenge, and it's, you know, it feels insurmountable at the time, but it's not. Like, we feel like, like, well, we just can't. Like, we can't invite our friend to church because when we say, hey, you want to come to church? They're going to say, you go to church? Like, I know you. You're the one who does. And then they're going to list out all the things we've done. Like, we, you want me to come to camp with you? You want me to come to a summer event? Like, wait, 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 wait. You, want, you want me to let you pray for me? You want to pray for me? Like, what are you talking about? Why would you pray for me? I've seen how you've treated people. Like, I can list off all the reasons why you're the worst person to do this. But here's the thing that God says. He says, you are the best person to do this because you are who I picked. You have value. God's value on you does not change. And here's the thing. You get it when it comes to money, and here it is right now, the Coke that I've been waiting for. Did the machine take my money? But I nicked it up. I damaged it. Like, I don't believe that it still held its value. You guys may be nicked up. You may have a history of reasons why you don't think you're that person. Your value to God does not change. I love you guys very much. We're going to go into breakout groups because I want to discuss this right now. If you're in eighth grade, so where are my eighth grade boys at? You're going to go outside with my friend Alex. Eighth grade girls, you're going to do the same thing with Aaron. Head outside. Sixth and seventh graders, get into your breakout groups. I want you to talk about these questions, and I want you to talk about, quiet, hey, hey, quiet. I want you to talk about what value, how your value changes, and how you think about the things that you do. Read through the questions, get with leaders. Mark is in the back, Selkie is in the back. This guy's so tight, Selkie is so legit. He's in the back. So find your leaders, find your groups. You guys are amazing.